Welcome, everyone. We are so glad that you are here tonight. Um, it is time to head back to school. And whether your child is heading back to a physical school building with masks and social distancing in place, or whether you have been kind of forced to homeschool with your child and you might be doing some remote learning, or whether you're doing a hybrid of those two models, this webinar is for you, and we are so glad that you are a part of it tonight. So I have with me um, two friends, Marianne Booth and Heather Balkum. Thank you, ladies, for being here with me tonight. Um, and tonight we're going to be talking about strategies to set your kids up for success this fall. But before we dig into our topic, I want to give Heather and Marianne the opportunity to tell everyone a little bit about themselves and their family. So Heather, Marianne, help us get to know who you guys are. Uh, Marianne, why don't you guys, why don't you start? All right, well, hello everyone, um, Fairfax family. It's great to be with you tonight. Um, my family, the Booth family has been a part of Fairfax for almost 14 years now. We moved here when my oldest was um, beginning kindergarten and um, now she's a freshman in, ooh, sophomore in college. Time flies. Okay, I can't believe that Emma is a sophomore, right? That's crazy. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we love Fairfax. We love this place. We love um, all that the Fairfax Kids programs are doing. Um, I'm just super honored to be here. We have three kids that have gone through um, Fairfax, and we're just thrilled to encourage families and give back in whatever small way we can. So thanks for having me. Awesome. And so uh, Marianne's role that she plays with Fairfax Kids is she is an elementary coach, so you may recognize her. She works with our fifth and sixth graders, but her day job is she's a teacher at Trinity Christian School. So thank you for being with us, Marianne. Heather, tell us a little bit about yourself. And then I think if I remember correctly, you have a connection to Marianne's oldest daughter, right? Like Emma, don't you have a connection to her? <laughs> I do. I was just Yes, so um, hi, I am Heather Bacham. Um, I have also been at Fairfax for 14 years. This will be my 14th year there. Um, I, uh, I, had to, I have to laugh. Fairfax has seen me through being a college freshman, um, all the way through being a married woman. I am a mom of three kids. I have a toddler and two special needs kids. Um, so we are a house with autism, with anxiety, with ADHD. Um, we run the gamut on all those things. Um, I originally, when I started in Fairfax Kids, I um, actually taught kindergarten Sunday school. I actually taught Marianne's daughter. So That's I what I thought. Her. How fun is that? <laughs> yes. So when I, I, I think it is such an amazing and blessed thing to, when you hang around in a place and you invest in it, um, you know, Emma, I, I was with Emma when she was just the age that I was when I was, she's now the age that I was when I started, um, you know, doing Sunday school. And it's just, it's such a blessing to get to see some of the kids I taught in kindergarten um, and that my husband and I have gotten to um, speak to and preach to are now leading my own children. And that is just such a cool generational thing to watch. I To see the kids that I poured into are now pouring into my own children. It, it's so very cool. Well, we love you both. Thank you guys for being part of our Fairfax Kids Ministry and thank you for being a part of the webinar tonight. So, so for everyone listening, Marianne and Heather have been teaching for a combined total of 25 years. Can you imagine 25 years of teaching? That's the expertise that we have here tonight, y'all. 
And, and so we just wanted to kind of share with you guys that um, during tonight's webinar, the topics and the opinions that are discussed are a reflection of their own personal experiences as a teacher. There's no reflection on any school or any school system. And so we just wanted to kind of throw that in and give that, you know, disclaimer. Um, and without delaying any further, let's start our topics for tonight. What do you say, girls? <laughs> so, all right. So here's my first question. So it has Sounds been. Sounds good. Yes. I, I work for Fairfax. <laughs> I do not speak for Fairfax. There you go. Yeah. So it has been an interesting year to say the least. And as we approach the start of school, there has been and there continues to be so many decisions and so many opinions for learning this year. So let me ask you, um, when you think about what children and what parents are facing this upcoming school year, what advice would you give our parents and our caregivers? What do you want them to know? Marianne, let's start with you. Okay, great question, Marcy. Um, first, I would just say, these are unprecedented times, we know that. Um, no one has ever done this before. Um, so I think what is most important to me as a mom and as an educator is that um, we all know that we're in it together. Um, your teachers, are in this because it's a calling for them and they love your children. Um, but most importantly, God loves your children any, even more than all of us. And so trusting him that um, he has provided um, all sorts of opportunities for you and giving you teachers who are gonna come alongside you, I think is something super, super important. Um, I think also understanding that your teachers are people just like you. And, and it's really important to enter into a relationship together. Um, what I've discovered in the past semester with um, my class as we have gone to remote learning and are entering back into the classroom this fall is that I didn't always know what was happening at home. Um, and I was heartbroken when I had families um, calling me to conference with me and dads and moms crying because they felt like they couldn't be the parents they wanted to be. They couldn't be the teachers they wanted to be. And they certainly weren't being the employees that they wanted to be. And so I think it's so important that we all um, really reach out to one another and enter into relationship with each other. We're here to partner together to um, bring out, bring up rather the, um, the future kingdom. And so we can only do that if we make a decision to enter into relationship with each other. So I think those are two of the most important things that I would love to say um, to families. And just don't forget, you're not alone in this. We're all in this together. So. I love that, uh, Marianne. No, thank you for sharing. And, you know, another thing that I was thinking, just as we've been talking about this, is that, um, I don't know, I want parents to remember that, um, their relationship with their child is so important. It's like the most important thing. And that is more important than grades. Um, sometimes, you know, it's, it's more important than keeping to a schedule or accomplishing every single assignment. Uh, nothing's really worth sacrificing a relationship with the child. There's so, you know, there's relationship with the educator, the relationship with the child. There's so much relationship stuff going on, right? <laughs> so that's one thing that I know I'm compelled with that I have to remember that um, for my own kids, I'm their mom first and the facilitator of learning second. So Heather, tell us, you know, what, what do you want it, um, to have parents know? What would you want to have them um, hear from you about tonight? 
Um, I think for me, it comes down to just a couple of words and I can speak on, I'm, I'm going to speak on a couple of these things as we go through. Um, but intentionality um, is definitely a big one. Know that your child's teacher, if you are going back for distance learning, that it is not going to look like the spring. I work for Fairfax County Public Schools and spring was not traditional school. The buildings might have been closed, but school was still open. School in spring was crisis teaching. Um, really, I like that phrase. Yeah, you said that. I think crisis <laughs> management, crisis teaching, right? It was not what yes. I, I'm hopeful it's going to be so different this fall. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, it, it is going to be so very much different um, than it was in the spring. Um, your teachers right now are working with such intentionality. I can tell you from my own personal um, experiences for the past five weeks, I've been in professional development webinars or courses two to three hours a day just to gear up for things. I know so many other teachers who are doing the exact same thing. For every minute of digital learning, it takes around three and a half minutes of planning. So your child's teachers are going to be so much more intentional with everything that they're doing because we don't have that flexibility of being together currently. Um, flexibility is another super important thing. Um, like I had said before, we are a special needs house and knowing when your kid needs a break, knowing when things might not necessarily be working is so important. Um, teachers right now are getting so much training. I mean, you should see my list of professional development I have to go through for Fairfax. It's crazy. Um, I'm excited, but it's really long, <laughs> which is why we have those three more weeks coming um, before September 8th when kids go back to school. Um, but really helping to know where things are for your kids. You know, in school, they get the breaks of lunch. They get the breaks of recess. They get the breaks of so many different brain breaks during the course of the day. And right now, especially for the elementary aged kids, schools are working so incredibly hard to build those into their schedules. I actually just got an email today from my kids' school um, seeing their schedule and I can see where they're going to be in front of a computer working with a classroom teacher and also where they get the chance to take a break to let things marinate um, and just be able to work with that short-term memory. Um, I would also love to tell you that empathy is so important in these times. Teachers, we cannot compartmentalize ourselves anymore. Um, when I'm in the building, I am Mrs. Bauckham and I you know, can be all the things that my students need. But when I am home, I have to be Mrs. Bauckham and I have to be mom, and I have to be so many other things um, as well. So having empathy for the educators, empathy for other people who are going through different situations right now. Um, two things I heard lately that just really stuck with me. This is such a different year. Teachers are not teaching from home. We're living at work. Um, and your kids <laughs> are not learning at home. They're living at school now. And so trying to make sure you find those boundaries, those marginal pieces is gonna be so important for the socio-emotional health of your family, those mental health pieces. And the other thing is that every teacher this year that's doing distance learning, we're all first year teachers this year. This is new to so many of us. And 
they are working hard. Let me, let me tell you what, they are working hard. So some of the hardest working people, at least in Fairfax County, my technology people who have been setting up laptops all summer long to roll out laptops into every single middle school in Fairfax, every single high school, which already had them in Fairfax. Um, Fairfax has bought 22,000 brand new laptops for distribution. They have MiFi where you can get Wi-Fi at home that you can borrow from the county. There's so much going on, but don't fall into that comparison trap. Your distance learning that's going to happen at your house is going to look different than your best friend or the PTA president or the person who actually is the formally trained educator who's trying to <laughs> manage um, two kids as well as teaching synchronous classes. Spring learning for us looked very um, bedraggled. That's the word I'm going to use. I'm going to be very honest. <laughs> um, my, my oldest has uh, some massive anxiety and we actually had to stop attending classes for a while. We did things asynchronously and we made it fit our family. My uh, son has um, more classic autism and freaks in a situation like this where he has to make eye contact and we worked with his teacher to make it work. So just like Marion had said, making that connection with that classroom teacher, we want parents to, you know, be connected with us. You can't, you know, fully get a whole child taken care of without both sides of that picture. No, I, that's such great advice to not fall into that comparison trap. Uh, like, I totally believe that you have to focus on your own home and what's best for your own family and not compare yourself to your best friend or your neighbor or your child's best friend and what that, you know, what their home and their learning situation looks like. Absolutely. You know, one of the or what you that, see on social media. Or what you see on social media, right? Yes. <laughs> so one of the things that we had talked about, um, was that this time of remote learning for children is actually a time where us as parents could be learning as well, that we could be um, learners alongside our child. Marianne, talk to us a little bit about that. So this is what I love. Well, let me just jump back to uh, just quickly the comparison comment. Because I really Absolutely, want yeah. parents to know that also um, not comparing yourself and your family to what's happening with their friends is actually best practice in the classroom. Every teacher strives to teach your child in the individual way that suits them best. So by not comparing yourself to anyone else, that is the absolute best thing you can do. Okay, done. I'll step off my soapbox now. <laughs> so no, now you, you have to tell me where I stand. Yeah. Now right. you just have to tell me again what I need to talk about. No worries. No, I was just saying how, you know, when I, when we were talking just in our conversations, we touched upon the fact that um, this opportunity uh, that we have for, for children to, you know, learn remotely or for this hybrid learning um, mm -hmm. environment, it's an opportunity for parents to be learners too. And so I was like, talk a little bit more about that. <laughs> yeah, there are so many amazing opportunities. I love how we talked about earlier that this is really um, an opportunity for you and your child to grow closer. Uh, I really feel like on some level, because I know that God is sovereign and I know that he is in charge of everything that is going on in our world right now. I know that he's given us this amazing opportunity to be with our kids. And so we need to embrace that opportunity. He's purposefully placed us all together. And it's, 
I'm such a relationship person that I think it goes back to building those relationships, really investing in our children, slowing down life just a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about a few specific tools and things. Marcy, do you want me to talk about that now? Specific yeah, you know, yeah, we can go for our next question. I was going to say, you know, like we talked about, we touched on a little bit before, um, this spring was a little rough for the Davis family. I don't know about for other households, but it was pretty rough in my house. I have a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old, and my 16-year-old was fine. He, no problems there. But it was my 12-year-old that, you know, things got a little hard. But mm -hmm. I, as a parent, I'm really hopeful um, about the fall. I'm hopeful that things were gonna, are going to be different. Um, and I'm hopeful because this is something that we can be intentional about and we can plan and we don't have to make such a quick pivot like we did in the spring. And so my next question is, can you guys give us some practical tips um, that we can do now in preparation to help facilitate success for our child? Marianne, I'm going to, I'll start with you. <laughs> well, first I have to go back to what Heather said about flexibility. I think that is the name of the game. Um, I think it's going to be so important for parents to be flexible, for us teachers to be flexible. Um, one of the things that I coached some of my families about last uh, spring was to develop a um, kids love to play school. The elementary kids especially love to play school. And so to allow the students to help create their school space, um, whether it's at the kitchen table and they get to decorate it and that you know the computer's out for everyone to see or whether they actually get to bring in a little table and a little tiny chair and sharpen all their pencils and get themselves ready. I think it's really a beautiful opportunity for them to create their school space. And it also creates a little boundary that says, like Heather was talking about earlier, it creates this little space that says, okay, this is the school space. And when I step out of the school space, that's, you know, being with my family and playing and things like that. It just helps um, children to transition. That's um, one of the things that I would say is super, super important is just creating that space, but also allowing your children to speak into that space. I think it's gonna help go a long, long way. Um, and the other thing that I would say is routine. Um, I think we know that kids thrive off of routine. And this is where you might want to connect with your teacher about that. At our school, um, we are going to be, um, live from our classroom. We're going to have some students at home and some students in the classroom. So the schedule is what the schedule is. And kids need to join us when it's math time. Everyone needs to be with us at math time. But for those of you that may have a little bit more flexibility, um, I think it's really great that you have that flexibility. If you have kids that are not early risers, it's okay to start school a little bit later in the day. But what I would say is to create that routine that, or that rhythm that works for your family and stick to it. I think it helps um, the kids to know what the expectations are and it just helps everything go a little bit more smoothly. Heather, did I cover it all? Yeah, Heather, what are your thoughts? Share with us. Oh my, well, coming from an autistic family, a uh, routine is key. Um, <laughs> even, <laughs> Even when um, we were in spring learning, every single day, I would write out a schedule for my kids, just as if we were in the classroom, from this time to this time, here's what we're going to work on, from this time to this time, here's what we're going to work on. Kids 
I mean, humans, we thrive on routine and ritual. It's why, I mean, how many people have a Christmas tree in your house? And when you don't have a Christmas tree up, it doesn't necessarily feel the same. Um, we, we thrive on those little things that help us to feel grounded and connected and safe. It's the same reason why my two-year-old will constantly, every single night, bring me chicka chicka boom boom and want me to read it <laughs> again and again and again to the point where I have memorized that book. Um, granted, I memorized it before she wanted it, but that is the life of a school librarian. Um, at my school, I serve over 600 kids every week um, from preschool to sixth grade and an autism center at my school, um, as well as the staff of over 100. And having those um, connections and those routines really helps to bring together that school culture. I, I would love to go back to what Marianne said, though, about, you know, realizing you are your child's first teacher. Um, whether you feel like it or not, I mean, they learn to talk from you. They pick up personality traits from watching you, that nature versus nurture, whether you realize it or not. And what a great space to be able to find those little moments. My daughter was working on layers of soil in third grade for Fairfax. So I took her down to the creek behind our house and we talked about weathering and erosion. How simple was that? We looked at a real life example and got to talk about some science concepts. And there's been a rock tumbler running in my basement for the last two weeks now. Um, and she's just so excited and overjoyed to find the, the purpose-driven learning, the real-life application of what is going on with all of that. Um, I would also tell you, you know, with everything going on, school is important. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things. You might find out a brand new way to do multiplication this year that you're like, what was wrong with the old way? Um, <laughs> and I, I'll give you two quotes here. Um, they're two of my favorite quotes that I heard this summer and I was like, yes, I feel this as a teacher and I feel this as a mom, um, that, but we've always done it that way is one of the most dangerous statements in education. Um, pedagogy changes. However, culture eats pedagogy for breakfast. Um, so... <laughs> I know Marianne's laughing over at me over there. Uh, Ken Shelton, who's a great educational speaker, shared that quote with, uh, with us in a PD. And I was like, oh, that's so true. You get to decide the culture of your house. And while I will agree with you, school is very important. Um, coming from a house that's packed with anxiety, giving my kid that social outlet or that physical outlet has been, you know, so such a vital focal point for us. Um, our daughter does Taekwondo. Taekwondo opened up a few weeks ago. And while we were dealing with a lot of, a lot of stuff at home um, during lockdown, the opening back up of that routine stable place where she got that physical outlet, that she got that social structure. It has, it, I mean, my kid's back. And it's just been, it's so important to make sure that you find those outlets mm -hmm. for your kids as well. Um, I will tell you probably the most important thing I know, I'm sorry, I'm an extrovert. No, I talk. no it's all good. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, every decompression is so important for kids. It's important for us and it's important for children. And I love that like Charlotte found Taekwondo and that's something that works for her. But 
I was just going to say, um, encourage parents to find what works for your child. Every kid is different. So just be like, sometimes a kid needs activity, like to decompress, even if it's a run around the block, but other kids might need quiet. They might need, you know, a corner and a book and, or art supplies, like whatever it is, allow your child to figure out what it is for them that helps them relax and decompress from all the intense focusing that they're going to have to do at school so yeah <laughs> absolutely and I, I just have one more piece of advice for parents Please, for the, the grown-ups of our kids it's it's the last piece you know I talk about intentionality flexibility empathy grace and one of the most important things and especially if you're an educator on top of being a mom breathe um whether <laughs> that be to focus on your own mental health by, you know, breathing a guided meditation, a yoga moment, a mindfulness moment, whether it be hiding in your bedroom closet, eating cookies, because you just need a break on not speaking from experience. It's okay to I not hide in my okay. laundry room. So it's okay, Heather, my laundry room. <laughs> <laughs> it no it is, else is gonna okay. <laughs> It is okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we are so used to teachers having all of the answers to be that stable point for our kids to take whatever's going on in our lives, shelve it for the day, to be there for our kids, to be a stable place, to be a safe place to fail. None of us are okay in this moment. And I don't mean educators, I mean globally, but at the end of the day, just like Marion has said so many times, regardless of how this school year turns out, Remember that you and your child are loved by the most amazing and faithful God. And even if it turns into a crazy year, we still got Jesus. <laughs> no, that's awesome. What great words. I love it. I love it. So you guys, you know, I was thinking about something as I was preparing for today. Um, and the one thing I was thinking about um, was that... Uh, kind of goes along with what you were saying, Heather. There's so many things that are out of control, right? They're out of our control and they're out of our child's control. And so one thing I know that has been helpful for my youngest son, Drew, um, is to allow him in his, like, you know, in his life and his schedule, granted it's the summer schedule now, but allow him time to learn about things and to explore things that he is interested in. And so, you know, whether it be, um, you know, robotics or whether it be astronomy or whether it be cooking class or art class or whatever it may be, you know, I, I right? <laughs> um, one I love all of those. That um, parent, you know, just to share with parents a tip that I had, and I know some of the women on my team do this as well with their kids, is to allow kids to have a voice in their schedule. You know, we talked about how routine is so important but allow kids to have a voice because like I said before, there's so many things out of control. If we can give them ownership of something, man, that's going to go a long way. So, and, and perhaps that they can have something that motivates them through the subjects that maybe they're not crazy about because they're going to get to learn about, or they're going to get to take guitar lessons or whatever it may be for your child. So um, anyway, that's just a, that's a <laughs> thought as well. So, yeah. Well, and I think Marcy that there's so many opportunities to do that. And that's part of the sweet um, time that we're given as parents to be with our children. I think about how often my Emma wanted to bake, still loves to bake, and what a great opportunity it was for us to incorporate math. So we didn't oh, have, to have, a, right? yeah. didn't have yep. a lesson, 
we just went and made cookies. And um, hey, everyone's a winner in that one. <laughs> right, right. And so sometimes it's thinking outside of the box and making sure I think also just communicating with your teacher saying, okay, so I understand that fractions are what we're working on. You know, we want to understand whatever the specific uh, task is or whatever the specific um, standard of learning is. How can you make that happen in a way that's fun and engaging for your child without having to sit there with a piece of paper and a pencil? Um, just like Heather was talking about. Okay, we're talking about soil. Let's go like check out the soil. And um, so it's that real life integrated learning that I think is such a beautiful um, option right now because we have that flexibility. So I encourage parents, you know your children best. And if they want to build a Lego community, whatever it is, let's see how we can incorporate it into math, into engineering, and let's just go for it. So. Absolutely. Um, no, that's a great point, Marianne. Um, another thing that uh, I was thinking that um, is helpful in my own home uh, is just continue to work on my relationship with my child. I don't always, you know, I mean, I don't always have um, the best moments, like that we all fail at times, but the intentionality of continuing to work on that relationship and checking in with him is so important. And, you know, check-ins could look very different. It could be, I don't know, sometimes for my boys, when I walk with them outside, like I make them take the dog for a walk with me. And sometimes there's something about like our walk and talk because we're not looking at each other. We're not having to make eye contact. We're doing something active. Like we've got the dog as a little distraction. But sometimes like I can get so much out of my child, like when I talk to them, when we're doing something active together. So that's a little tip that I have that's been helpful, you know, in my family. So we kind of call them walk and talk. <laughs> so and even my 16 year old, it works with him too. Like he's going to open up in a way when it's just the two of us walking and talking and it just like, I don't know, I think our defenses are down a little bit. Um, but another way to check in with your kids and see how they're really doing, um, is to find just natural moments to ask. Sometimes at dinner, my husband hates this, let me tell you that, but we play like highs and lows, okay? He, he tries to like not answer, but I make him. Anyway, like we'll do something like, what's the best part of your day? Or what's, you know, what was the hardest thing for you? I've also heard it called like, um, let's see, pits and peaks. I thought that was kind of cute too. But just asking the questions and like, you know, like asking like, to your child, what are you struggling with? Because sometimes as a parent, knowing is half the battle, right? Like to have them be engaged and, and really listening to them is just so important. So, yeah. Can I, can I add to that? Absolutely. Yeah, go for it. Um, one of the things I love about having those little conversations at dinner um, is, you know, we're always working with our students on building resiliency and a growth mindset that, you know, we talk about the power of yet. I can't do this yet. Um, and how we want to build that in. So, you know, and even talking with your kids at the dinner table about, hey, what mistakes did you learn? Or what mistakes did you make today? What did you yes. learn from them? Just being able to say, you know, mistakes, failure, failure is awesome. How many things have been created because people messed up? Chocolate chip cookies, sticky notes, <laughs> band-aids. So many things have been created because of failure and how failure can really be looked at with a growth mindset. And you can oh, help love to facilitate that. that same thing that we do in schools with your child in that way, just taking a different perspective on it. And I think well, too, and it goes along. 
it goes along with what you were saying before, either Mary or Heather, one of you guys was saying like, just to be flexible, to like know your family and to be a learner and an observer. And like, if something is not working, like, you know, like sometimes it's easy to know if like the schedule isn't working or this routine is no good or whatever. But instead of continuing to struggle through that, to have the courage to make a change and to figure out what is working and engage your child in that, you know? <laughs> so, Marianne, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, too, there's, there is something um, to being vulnerable with your child, too. I love that we have an opportunity to say, you know what? I made a mistake today. This is what it was. And, but it's not going to stop me from taking the next step forward. So I think that's beautiful. also another yeah. really beautiful part of this time and a beautiful opportunity for, in relationship. And kind of connected to that, I just felt like I needed to say this. Moms, dads, grownups in your family, if you need to, throw your teacher under the bus. We can handle it. Um, because I think so much, first and foremost, I know Heather's like, what? Um, <laughs> no, explain what you mean. We've had this conversation before. Explain right. it, Marianne. No, it's a so great point. <laughs> I think what's really important is even though you are acting as your child's teacher or facilitator at home of their learning, you don't have to be the hammer for what has to be done. And so many times I saw the breakdown of a relationship between a child and a parent because the parent was trying to be the teacher. And I said, oh no, you know what? If Johnny doesn't want to do his homework, or if Johnny doesn't want to do X, Y, and Z, just let's Zoom. Let's talk to him. And I'll say, you know what, Johnny, I really need you to do this. Your mom and dad aren't asking you to do it because they want you to do it. They're asking you to do it because I asked them. Because I need it, yeah. And so I think that that's really important, too. You are your child's advocate. And they need to feel that and they need to know that and understand that. So, okay, maybe it was a little strong to say throw us under the bus. But we can be the bad guy. We can be the bad guys in certain situations yeah. um, because your relationship with your child is so much more important to us. Oh, I love that, Mary. That's a great piece of advice. So, hey, let's just kind of um, move along into our question and answer session. What do you guys say? Like, I think we actually have a question that kind of is along the same vein as that. So let me start with our first question. And, um, our first question says, how can I engage with my child's teacher without being overbearing or overstepping? I want to respect the teacher, but also show that I want to engage and support and partner with them. So I love this question because, you know, we have been encouraged this. We've been saying, create that relationship. But how can, so the question is, how can I do it without overstepping or being overbearing? So who wants to take this one? <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> Go ahead, Heather. I I, I, I would tell you, keep in mind that when it comes to emails, um, that I know that in many places, uh, the policy is you get 24 hours as an educator to respond. So one of the difficulties in our, I'm looking for it, in our digitally connected world is, you know, you text somebody, you expect a response right then and there. Um, but even in a teacher's classroom, if we were traditionally teaching, um, you know, they might not be able to get to you until the end of the day because they are hanging out and working with, you know, 25 to 35 students. Um, so I think patience is always a virtue when it comes to waiting for a response. Um, I also think that sometimes tone can be lost in emails. 
um, that, you know, really thinking about. I like about, that. You're right. Yes. <laughs> thinking about our word choices when, um, and not just talking to an educator, but talking to anybody. Sarcasm does not come across to my family on my text messages. I wish there was a sarcasm font. Um, but tone can be, can be severely lost across email. So one trick that I always do before I send off anything to an administrator or a parent, or if I need to broach something with another adult that I'm like, this might be a little tricky is I have a second set of eyes, take a look at it, um, just to say, Hey, let me remove this email from my emotions um and have somebody else read it and get that feedback and not use it as not use their feedback as a critical attack on me but as a constructive criticism to help me you know the, every we we're all trying to have everybody's best interests at heart and sometimes our emotions get caught into that and emotions can really fly in an email so i would say you know be patient with response times and you know we know as educators, we are so hopeful for that relationship building. Um, if you are gonna email us and let us know some certain things about your kid, awesome. I will tell you, the teachers talk. We know about lots of kids. We you know, pass on those little strategies. Hey, this works really well um, for Garab. This works really well for Veronica, you know, or things that, hey, this is where they struggled. Um, you know, teachers, we, we are invested in that child. As a school librarian, I get to invest in kids anywhere between seven to 10 years based upon if they start with me in preschool or kindergarten. And it's, I, I love it. You know, like Marion had said, this is a calling. Um, I will tell you, if you email the teacher seven times in a day, this it, it, it's like you keep calling and calling and calling or texting and texting and texting and we're trying to do this job. And it's just, it, I, it's like a I love Lucy moment where the bonbons come rushing by um, <laughs> it, it can be a little overwhelming because there's so many sources of information coming at the teachers currently trying to field parent emails, trying to field administrator emails, trying to, if they're a parent, do the same thing for their kids, run their everyday lives. Um, just be cognizant of the cognitive load, um, you know, that, you know, we're, we're called in, I, this was on WGTS this, uh, yesterday, in Galatians 6-2, that we are called to bear each other's burdens. Um, and, you know, just to be aware of that singular story of what's going on in your head might not be the story that's going on in others' heads. That's good advice, Heather, good advice. You know, another thing that I was thinking about when you were sharing that is uh, to, a way to um, just do this well, connect with teachers well, is perhaps to be respectful for the to the way that they have been asked that they ask you to communicate. So uh, usually teachers will tell you, you know, the best way to communicate with me is, you know, to email me between the, you know, to this address at this time or whatever that may be. Even though you might have that teachers, you know, um, uh, you know, Facebook, you know, you're you're on Facebook with them or whatever. Because sometimes in these communities we are. Don't do it through that medium. Do it through, you know, the school email. Be respectful about how the teacher has requested, uh, you know, to be um, communicated with. So that was just another thought that I had because, you know, if you happen to know the person and have their number or whatever, some some teachers actually do give out their numbers. You know what I mean? So yeah, the parents. So um, just be respectful for that. Marianne, do you have any other thoughts? The only other um, comment that I was going to make is just to remember that for your one question, there's potentially 20 some odd other people with the same kind of question 
Um, so, and maybe not in all situations, but just knowing that your one email could also be 20 other emails from other people in your class. So I think just being mindful that a teacher is teaching all day long and um, we, we will get back to you. That's where that grace needs to come in a little bit, um, but just giving us a little bit of time. So I am also planning as a parent um, to make first contact with Drew's teachers um, in the beginning of the year, just to introduce myself, just like I would at a back to school night or just like I would, you know, in a classroom situation so that my first contact with my child's teacher is not something negative or is not a question or is not a complaint, but I want them to get to know me as Marcy Drew's mom, as opposed to that mom that's nagging. So that's just a little psycho psychology that I'm going to use that I'm going to introduce myself and I'm going to try to get to know them and tell them a little bit about, you know, our family so that maybe the first time they hear from me is not a negative. <laughs> so, and like, thank them for what they're doing and just show appreciation. And so I think that goes a long way to, um, for anyone to, you know, the first um, kind of um, time that you get to know a person is like an appreciative thing instead of a question or a complaint. So that's a thought. <laughs> but we have another question here. Um, let's see. What are your thoughts about child-led learning? Who wants to talk about that? Child-led learning. I'll let you go first, Marianne, because I totally just like steamrolled the last question. Oh, <laughs> hey, hey, we're all friends here, but Marianne, I'll let you go. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so I would say child, there is, um, there are many educators who believe that child-led learning is a beautiful thing. There's also a group of educators who think, oh, maybe not so much. Um, what I find from the majority of teachers that I know is that no one single philosophy fits everybody. And so we all tend to pull from the best pieces of different philosophies and we use them kind of as a, a big collection. You know, we'll put them together like a jigsaw. Wise words, Marianne Booth, I like it. <laughs> It's just, it's honestly, it's years and years of experience that you just learn. Um, you know, there are drawbacks to child-led learning, um, but there are also beautiful moments, um, opportunities for play and developmentally appropriate activities in child-led learning. So you can't just say, huh, I don't think that that's the right choice. I think as parents, we really just have to be mindful of what's best for our child. Um, some children need the structure of sitting down at a desk and actually putting pencil to paper sometimes, um, which isn't going to necessarily be the first choice um, in a child-led learning opportunity. So uh, the best I can say at this point is, you know what, choose what's best for your child. Um, try little bits and pieces of each philosophy. You know, give them a little bit of structure if that absolutely is not going to work then you can certainly try it. I would say child-led learning goes a long way in the younger um, elementary grades than I would say come third, fourth, fifth grade. Um, I think it's gonna be a little bit of a struggle to get those kids to um, actually complete what will be expected of them eventually. And as we're growing students to be independent learners, independent um, adults even, you know, there's an element of, okay, here are the guidelines that I need to operate in because there's someone above me who's asking. So 
Um, just a few things to think about. Oh, great question and great answer. And if anyone else that is listening or watching it has another question, feel free to put it in our chat or you can use the question answer button on the bottom. So um, feel free to do that. We, our next question uh, talks about um, supplemental learning uh, with independent resources. So it kind of is along the same vein as child-led learning. Do you guys have any thoughts on how much a parent should possibly supple use supplemental learning or independent resources in teaching and facilitating um, learning this year for their child. Heather, I feel um, like the queen of resources, so. <laughs> oh, she's, she's giving that to you, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have a lot of resources. It's what you get when you work with seven grade levels, um, but it, it's all good. Um, I think, regardless of whether we are in distance learning or traditional school, this is always a question. Um, you know, do I send my kid to Kumon? Do I send my kid to the after school, um, you know, learning and stuff like that? Like coding um, and things, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and IT, you know, it, so in the library, you know, today's library looks very different than it did when I was in school. Um, you know, we had to whisper. Um, I will tell you, I probably have the loudest room in the whole entire building, and I love it because learning. I'm stood. shocked, Heather. No, not you. <laughs> Me never. No, told you. I I I, I like to talk, um, but I I love that learning piece to it. You know, we. You know, if your kid, your kid is already going to be doing a lot of learning. So like in their specials, they might be, if they're in elementary, you know, I work on video production. We do website development. I teach coding and robotics in the library. We work on podcasting. We do a whole bunch of other stuff. If you feel like that's something that is going to be beneficial to your kid and you're not just adding another plate to the stack um, you know, I honestly, I say go for it. You know, as parents, we want to give the world to our kids. Um, and there, you know, I, I look at things sometimes when we got our son's autism diagnosis, I, I had to stop, you know, reading certain things and thinking, you know, and hearing certain things where people said, well, I just had to let some dreams die. And it's like, no, you have to just realize that those were expectations that you thought would work and just say, you know what? Life's just going to be a little bit different. There is no normal out there. But if there's something that you feel is going to be beneficial to your kid without tipping the scales, um, you know, if it's like Marcy said before, music lessons, or, you know, we do Taekwondo, or you want to do coding. If you're in Fairfax and you want to do coding with your kids, hit me up. I got plenty of resources for that. Um, you know, <laughs> I like to build things. I have a hard time sitting still. Um, you know, I say go for it. If it's going to benefit your kid to be that communicator or to be a collaborator or to be, you know, goal driven and build that resiliency or to be a critical thinker or a creative thinker, I think, you know, honestly, I say go for it. If it works for your family and if it works for your situation, regardless of whether we're distance or traditional, why hold a kid back if you can think they can handle it? And if they can't handle it, stop. It's not the end of the world if your kid doesn't finish their black belt. <laughs> well, and I would now, say too. Good advice, yeah. I think, I think that this is where we can be really, we need to be really careful about the comparison issue too. I have coached so many families about, oh, my child isn't reading as well as Susie is reading. So we're taking her to Kumon so she can be reading. Um, and... And my heart kind of is sad about that because 
you know, Susie will read. I'm not concerned about that. She may not read at the same rate or as quickly as her friend, but she will get there. So I think that all of those extra things are wonderful and great, but we have to be really, really discerning about whether they're actually for the benefit um, of our child thinking academically, socially, and emotionally, whether that's a good choice for them before we commit them to something like that. Love the clarification. I agree 100%. Awesome. So next question is, um, how would you advise a parent who has a young elementary child and a high schooler? So there's a large age gap between kids. How do you advise them to kind of navigate through this situation? Because you'd have to balance independent learning with parental support with the younger ones. Do you have any thoughts on that, ladies? It's a good question. I totally get you. <laughs> right. Okay. No, so well, Marianne's got the olders and I've got the littles. We're on opposite sides of that. Um, so, I, okay, I will speak as the mom of two high schoolers and a college student who didn't want me in her business. Um, <laughs> so, we've hit high school now. And as an elementary teacher, my goal is to help students become independent learners. So that's kind of my mindset. You have to know that that's my background. So my expectation for my high schoolers then is that they are responsible enough that they know what the expectations of their learning is and that they are responsible enough to do what's required of them. Um, Okay, let's talk about the responsibility of teenagers, perhaps not like the top of the scale. So certainly I do feel like I, as a parent, um, have to just check in. And I try not to be the, have you done this homework? Have you done, have you done your chemistry? Have you done your algebra? All of that. Um, because in my opinion, and this is just my opinion as a mom, if my kids fail in that, that is super important because my children will fail once and they'll hear it from their teachers and they will not ever want to do it again and then that again a step protects my relationship with them because where their responsibilities are if they don't meet those responsibilities or those expectations the people that are actually responsible for holding them accountable will and um, i don't have to be that bad guy so that's how I, I try to be the overseer, I guess, in short, for my older kids. Um, but I'm also not afraid. I cannot be afraid to let them fail. Um, because if it happens... That's it, so important. Absolutely. It only happened yeah. once. And it was, with Emma, we love her. <laughs> for me, I have a high schooler and a middle schooler. And so for me, um, when I'm checking in with my older son, Nathan, the high schooler, uh, I try to do it through conversation and like through, like I was saying, the walk and talks or through some kind of conversation and not make it feel like a questionnaire. You know what I mean? Did you do this? Did you do this? Cause no one wants that. I don't want that. But if I am like, Hey, how is chemistry going? I had a hard time in chemistry. Tell me about it. Are, are you up to date on all your assignments? That's awesome. What did you learn about? And like, you kind of, you figure out what's going on, but you do it through a conversation conversational tone versus questions. Um, and so that's one thing that I find helpful with, my, with myself. But I will say, like Marianne said, I absolutely have an expectation of Nathan that um, 
he is going to navigate his schooling himself. Like we're, we're trying to raise him to be an adult. And so this is just part of being an adult is to navigate his schedule. And, you know, praise God, my son does very well with that. He hasn't always, but he has learned. He's learned by making mistakes, right? That our home was a safe place to make mistakes. And then what we talked about is when mistakes happen, okay, how do we prevent this from happening again, right? So um, that's, that's another thing that we have done a lot in our home, like allowed um, mistakes to happen, but then just talk about what are we going to do for next time, you know? <laughs> and so that's for Nathan. Um, but I wanted to say that it goes back to knowing your child, right? And to be a learner of your child and observing things. So my Drew is so different from Nathan. So Drew struggles with ADHD and I just know that I'm going to have to have a whole lot of more parental supervision and guidance on Drew. And so I need to think through how that's going to work. So one of the things um, that we plan on doing is we're going to work in the same room together and we're going to be independent, but I'm going to be like an arm length away from him so that I can kind of have an idea of what's going on in Drew's life. And yeah, it'll be difficult, but we can do anything for three months, right? You know, <laughs> um, but so it goes back to being a learner of your child. And so think about um, where is the best space in your home to set up a school area for your child to be intentional about setting up a space that works well for them. And, you know, let's say you set them up next to a window. You think that that's going to be a great space. And if you find out that the window is too distracting, well, move them and ask, the, ask your child, hey, is this what we have going on? Is this okay? Is this the best thing for you? You know, would you prefer to be, I don't know, the dining room table or wherever that may be. Um, but don't afraid, don't be afraid to change. But um, like I said, it goes back to being a learner and to be an observer of your child and figuring out what they need. And for Drew, he's in middle school, so he's not younger elementary, but I know that I will have to have a whole lot of more facilitation for Drew's learning than I do for Nathan's just because I know my kid. <laughs> so, um, so, Heather, do you have any thoughts on that question? A great question. So we okay. talked about how do you balance like independent learning with one child and like parental support um, with varying ages? I, I just want to reiterate what they both said, just that, you know, one of our greatest, you know, things about being a parent is we are getting these children set up to be ready to be independent adults and that home is going to be a safe place to fail. Just like when we're at school, you know, I, I, teachers really work to make sure that their classrooms are a safe place to fail. It goes back to my favorite teaching quote. I know I keep throwing quotes at you, um, but it's okay. That's okay. Share with us. It's all good. Tell you're you're going to giggle over that? this one. It is my favorite teacher quote. It comes from the teacher that probably inspired me the most, Miss Frizzle. Take chances, make mistakes, and get messy. And, you know, if, if we are not setting up our children to understand that failure you know, is a good thing that it's going to help us to grow and that we are a safe place to land, that that teacher is a safe place to land. Um, you know, I, I just want to agree with that, you know, that home, it's going to be a safe place to fail, you know, that that should be just a part of, you know, some of our parent, I want to say teaching tenants, teaching and parenting tenants, you know, it's not always going to be easy. But at the end of the day, if they are sleeping and you are still in that house <laughs> and you haven't given up you know hey you're doing your job I, I know it's not easy but just sticking with it so our last question uh for tonight because we're almost out of time 
Um, our last question for tonight is, um, I'm teaching kindergarten to my son and working as a teacher at home. How are you balancing both? Kindergarten needs supervision and support and um, is a young age to kind of like interrupt my work. So how do you balance kind of like teaching kindergarten as like, you know, to your son and then working as a teacher in your home? Wow, is all I have to say about that. That I will be praying for you because that is going to be so hard. Um, but, you know, we know that with God, nothing is impossible. And so he's going to gift you. Um, your schedule is going to look different, um, I would say. And um, I was trying to think, gosh, I, wow, that's going to be got a lot on your plate, friend. <laughs> um, but I know that you can do it. And I think you just need to, you know, if you as an educator know that sometimes you need to think outside the box. And maybe that means that, um, you know, you'll have a schedule that you'll have to keep to as an educator and then, um, you know, a professional educator. And then as the mom educator at home, that's going to look a little bit different and you're going to be fitting it in. Um, the blessing of kindergarten that I love is there's so much social and emotional development that's happening that can happen anywhere, doing anything. So just don't put that pressure on you that you have to um, have their addition facts written out, that they have to, you know, write their alphabet every single day, um, things like that. Just, I encourage you to just think outside the box and use your giftedness um, in just new and unexpected ways. And I'll be praying that God would just show you how awesome he is as you go forward. Prioritize, prioritize, prioritize is what I would say, because there is a lot of other things in life that could get in the way. And so figure out what the priorities are. Um, make your yes mean yes and your no means no. And, um, you know, figure out what you have time for and then do that well, right? <laughs> so. Reading and math, I would say, you know, focus on those two things and, yeah, and you're good. Um, can I add on to that? So um, that was the exact situation I was in in the spring. <laughs> um, I was teaching and my son was in kindergarten. Uh, my uh, son's going to be in first grade this year and my daughter's going to be in fourth grade. So I've got two who are simultaneously in elementary while well, I got to do my job and make that, you know, figure out that balance as well. Um, one of the best things that was helpful for us is we, we already had a great connection with his teacher, um, but reaching out to them just to let him, let them know, Hey, here's our situation as well. Is there any way that you could just let us know what is it, you know, in case we miss or in case, you know, life kind of explodes, which in a special needs house, it does. Um, you know, what could we, you know, could you give us something just ahead of time, um, just to let me know, hey, what is this key objective or essential standards that you're working on? Um, as a parent, if you did not know that you can go to the Virginia Department of Education and see every single standard, K through 12, in everything from reading, math, social studies, science, computer science, financial stuff, because that's what the high schoolers have to be doing. That is all available to you because you know it's put out for the whole entire state and not just the standard that says kindergarten K8 or ELA K.8. The kindergartners will read um, their name plus 15, you know, um, 
but they have full curriculum frameworks that are set out for you. So what your classroom teacher for your kid is expecting out of them is literally right there. So you also can see, all right, what is going on here? Um, you I know, thought as that was Marianne so interesting. Said, just, you told me that this week and I checked it out. I was like, I didn't even know this was here. <laughs> I, I use it as an educator all the time to make my library national standards meet my curriculum standards for, uh, you know, seven grade levels. Um, <laughs> But I mean, that is another amazing resource for parents out there. Um, I, you know, as another, as one educator to another, talk to that other teacher, you know, talk to your own administrator, you know, it, this is such an unprecedented time as I keep telling my mother who was an educator for 32 years, my sister who is a teacher in Fairfax County Public. So I come from a family of educators. I was kind of genetically predisposed to this. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping and praying for one weird year and then we can get back to a new normal. Um, you know, it's all of this shifting and differences. This has happened in our world and in our culture before, um, you know, and the human race has hopefully <laughs> um, become better because of it. At the end of the day, all we can ask for our kids and for ourselves to be humankind, two words, be both. So our time is up for tonight. Okay, that went fast, ladies, right? It's been an hour already. So that went super fast. Um, you know, I wanted to tell our friends that are listening that if they want to hear this webinar again, or if you want to share it with a friend, to check out our Fairfax Kids social media pages. Um, on Instagram, you'll be able to find this link in the, this recording. Um, of tonight's discussion in the link in the bio. And on Facebook, you'll be able to click on a link in one of our posts. Give us a couple days to get it up, but it will be recorded and you'll be able to listen again and to share. Um, if you still have questions from tonight that didn't get answered, please email us at fairfaxkids at fairfax.cc. Give us a couple days to get back to you. You can email us at staff or Marianne and Heather, and we'll get the questions to them and get an answer for you. But just give us a couple days for that. But we, you know, if you still have questions out there, we'd love um, to help you and to answer them for you. Um, next Wednesday, we'll be talking to another friend. Her name is Willow Smith, and she's a licensed family counselor. And um, along with Fairfax Kids, we're going to, she and us are going to explore ways to empower our kids to handle their feelings and to talk about tips for walking through the emotional and social struggles that kids are going to face during this, um, this time of unfamiliar circumstances. So if you're interested in that, it's going to be amazing. We love Willow. She's done a podcast for our church before. We, we love her and um, I'm excited to have her as a guest next week. So if you're interested, head to fairfax.cc slash events to register. And that's next Wednesday at 7.30. And I just want to say thank you, Marianne. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for being a part of this webinar and for sharing um, all that you've had and all the wisdom that you have for us tonight. Um, as we approach our time together, uh, I, I'm gonna speak for the three of us. Um, parents, we want you to remember that this school year, it's going to be different. That um, Heather said it, I think it's uncharted territory. We've never done this before. And let's face it, it's going to be messy. It's going to be a little bit messy this school year. But um, you know what, we have an amazing God. And our God has the power to work through the season in some really awesome and amazing ways. And I, for one, um, I can't wait to see how God is going to work 
in your life and in your child's met life and how he's going to grow you and your family during the season. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>